Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Good morning! It is Wednesday, November the 22nd, and this is Red Sea Roundup. I am your host today, Pam Marvin. Our producer is Thaddeus. Good morning, Thaddeus. Good morning, Pam. How are you doing this morning? I am awesome because I have a little surprise for our listeners today. I have a co-host... What? Yes, I'm so excited, and we'll we'll get into it in a little bit. Why? Was I, cons- hey, was I consulted about this? Nope, nope. I totally surprised you with it. Hey. Absolutely. Well, well, some surprises are are good, like today's surprise. Yes, I am very excited. So who's to with us? Welcome, Doctor Kylene Westner. Howdy. <laughs> Kylene is a good friend of mine, and she said, oh, Pam, you should have Sonia Corbett on your show. She's the Bible study evangelista, and I did not know who Sonia was at the time. So tell me how you found out about her. Well, I found out about her from a Blessed Is She email. It was an ad at the bottom of it, and she um, there was an ad about her new study that was getting ready to come out called Love the Word, which was her take on Lexio Divina. And so I had previously taken a study on Lexio Divina and really liked it. And so I was really interested in her approach to it. Can you tell our listeners briefly what Lexio Divina is? Basically just studying the Word of God. Um, And I think they used to do it orally, but now a lot of people journal it. And so there's each, there's Latin words for each of the steps. And she thought that those were confusing. So she changed them to love, L-O-V-E, as each of the steps. And so um, I started listening to, she did a podcast over the summer. And she, each week she would talk about each of the steps and, and give you a, uh, basically an hour long crash course on how to do that step and would email out um, different activities for you to do to learn how to do that step. And I just really enjoyed it. And I love the way that she talked and she just really speaks to your heart and is really authentic. And so I just absolutely like adore her Mm -hmm. and started to look into her books. And she just came out with recently her third book, Ignite, which was um, with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers about Mm. reading the Bible like never before. And Deacon Harold was just here. So I was like, awesome. This is a nice confluence of uh, of events and uh, knowledge go holy spirit that's totally holy spirit driven for sure Mm -hmm. yeah well i'm very excited to have her on and to learn from her hopefully this will be uh only the first time i get to interview her over the course of getting to do the show because she's got such a wealth of information every every five or ten minutes in some of her shows well i don't have time to go into that right now however and she'll go on because she's just she's a really a wealth of knowledge a convert as well Mm -hmm. um but we'll we'll hear a lot of that from her coming up um, so I want to take a second and let our listeners know that if you have a question for Sonia today, you can contact us here at the studio at 855-683-7332. And also that g- 
goes out to our listeners in the Waco area, in the Palestine area, and anywhere else it may be broadcasting. Anyone listening days. online, anywhere. That's right. It could be all over the world. It was really cool. Uh, when we were at the Fatima, no, excuse me. Family yes, Rosary the Crusade. Family Rosary Crusade. Yep. Dennis walks up to me right afterwards and said, Ann Bame just said, good job from Australia. So she was, yeah, she was listening there visiting to her daughter. It. Yeah. Whom, by the way, we just ran into this morning. So shout out. Whoop, whoop. You Ann. ran into Ann Bame's daughter? No, Ann. Ann. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, she's in <laughs> really Australia. confused. So that was really Speaking cool. of uh, worldwide connections, I want to say hello this morning and we want to send our prayers out to. Uh, a friend of a friend, a friend of uh, Joe Karasik. The Karasiks are supporters of the radio station. Uh, this is a, a f- neighbor of his, Henry Musoma, who's actually in the uh, business the business school at Texas A&M. His father and mother are here visiting him from Zambia in <gasps> sub-Saharan Africa. Very cool. And his father, Henry Bwala Musoma, is listening this morning at here in Bryan College Station. He just started on some new medication for his uh, his cancer that I believe he's uh, working through. Not feeling very well. He was going to come in and see what we do this morning because he was very instrumental in starting Catholic Radio in his city, in his region of Zambia. Is wow. that right? Yeah, and so they're going to be uh, parishioners at uh, St. Anthony's for the next few months while they're wow. here staying with Henry and his wife and children. So, hello, Senior Henry Musoma Senior, hello and best wishes to you, and we send our prayers to you, and and we hope to uh, see you around St. Anthony's over the next couple months. Yeah, Godspeed. I've actually met your your son. Oh, Doctor Henry is an awesome man. He's a neighbor of my sister in law. Okay, so I got to sit down and have a really great conversation with him when my son in law Oliver, excuse me, not son in law, my nephew Oliver graduated, and um, he has a really great relationship with my nephew, and I was very impressed with that. So I thank him for all the love and care he put into my nephew. So, yeah, yeah awesome, awesome humans. Yes, yes. Yes, all right. so great. And then we have some exciting announcements. We've got uh, just yesterday we launched our Red Sea Radio app on Woo! the iTunes App Store and on the Android uh, Google Play. Play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we really encourage you to go check that out. It's been made possible by the generous donations of some individuals. They stepped up at the at the benefit dinner uh, to make it possible. It's ad free, um, and it's you can listen to the radio station streaming live. You can also get all of our local shows on demand. You can make prayer requests. You can send requests for PSAs if you're a member of an organization. Uh, And there's going to be a lot of other great things to come. And as a matter of fact, right on the smack dab in the middle of the the app, you can register for the family retreat that's coming up in January, right at the beginning of January this year, January 5th and 6th, second annual Red Sea Family Retreat. The theme is... um, Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the theme. That's terrible. I, I just remember it's the Alexanders are the key. Well, the speakers. Alexanders, Greg and Julie Alexander, are coming from uh, San Antonio. They are the founders and operators of the Alexander House, and they have about 17 years of married marriage uh, counseling and therapy. Um, so they're going to be speaking on our theme, which is uh, becoming more present in our families through the real presence so that we're, we're going to try to link um, 
of greater devotion to the Eucharist, greater devotion to the real presence mm-hmm. to help mm-hmm. parents be more present to their children, to help uh, children be more present to their to their parents, and to foster unity, peace in the family, and uh, just greater devotion to the faith, and and also ideas about you know slowing down, simplifying. Um, and we'll have some presentations on uh, living Lent, the liturgical year in the mm-hmm. home. And we'll have some other breakout sessions. It's going to follow a lot the same format as last year. The price for family is $40. It's a little increased from last year, but we're asking you to make stretch yourselves, make that sacrifice so that we can bring the Alexanders in to, to speak to us and um, still provide a great catered lunch and breakfast on Saturday. We'll have a potluck dinner on Friday night, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. still adoration, still Divine Mercy Chapel on Saturday. So we really, please come out, start off, kind of bring your Christmas season to an end and and just get a jump on having a great Lent. We hope that this will will do it for you. Go to redsearadio.org slash retreat to register. And you can go register now. There's information on the website now about the retreat. We'll be talking about it on the air more as, as it approaches. Well, I was so excited when Dennis told me, he said, Pam, download the app. And so I downloaded it yesterday and opened it up and thinking that I was like, oh, this is so awesome. All of the recordings of Red Sea Roundup are in one button now. You can bring them all up as long as you know the date of the airtime of the show that you want to listen to. Uh, it will be on there. So if- Binge, listen to it. Seriously. So so now all of you folks have missed some of our shows that have been awesome because they're all awesome. Uh, you can go back and listen to some of them. And, and um, I'm, I'm going to have to do that myself because I miss them from time to time, too. And so thankful that we can hear them in retrospect. I'm super stoked about the app. Oh. I've been wanting the app for so long, so I cannot wait to download it. It's awesome. So, again, that's on iTunes. I know. Yeah, iTunes. I, iTunes and, and Google Play. Mm-hmm. Um, and all I did was for Google Play, I typed in KEDC and it came right up. It's it's under Red Sea Red Sea Radio KEDC, but Red Sea Radio I I typed in it did not come up, but KEDC I did and came right up. So that's just my little two cents on on um, getting that downloaded today. So you can enjoy Red Sea Radio wherever you go. Has whoever's on at the moment. You just click on the button and you can stream it from your phone. It's awesome while you're traveling in the car to Thanksgiving dinner. Which is what Sonia's doing. So as I talk a little bit more with Kyleen, he's going to get in touch with her. So I'm really excited um, again to have you as a co-host today. I'm excited to be here. I know. You're going to have to come back again. She has these great ideas for guests. So you come up with another one. I get them on the show. You'll have to come in. and um, Absolutely. And we'll do that together for sure. Um but, you know, as a side note, since this is the, the week of Thanksgiving, um, I always, always, always try to increase ga- gratitude in the home. And so I want to talk just a second. I want to talk just a second about increasing gratitude in what you do in the home. And I can tell you some things I do in the home. Well, you know, um, with our kids, kids, I mean, as a human person, we're always kind of more on the, the glass is half empty. I mean, in general, the things that bother us, the things that annoy us um, are things that's, that stand out. Um, so when you talk about your day, those are the things you remember most poignantly. And uh, I just challenge everybody to rewire yourself 
to to remembering those beautiful things um, that happened during your day and being able to share that. Because at the end of the day, I always ask my kids, so how was your day? What good gifts did God give you? Um, and it's such a great exercise because we do have to practice that, folks, because I think it's in our human nature with um, that original sin that enters in like that, that we do go toward the negative. And so we have to rewire, as my good friend Miranda Wolachowski would say, we have to rewire our brains toward the positive, and, um, which leads me to my favorite um, in the day, the examination of conscience, the examine, the first thing that we always ask is what blessings, how did God bless you today? Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, I am super blessed that my daughter came in last night Fun. with her with her dog. Well, her husband's following today, but uh, we haven't seen her dog since he was like a 10-week-old puppy. And he is a um, great Pyrenees German Shepherd mix. And so we had a ball watching the dogs learn to get along and then start playing with each other. <laughs> But this week, so much to be grateful for. Absolutely. One of the things that we've been doing lately, because I have a almost four-year-old that started preschool, so we ordered some books through Scholastic about Thanksgiving and giving thanks, and they're all very cute. Um, but they, there's a couple of them that specifically, they're just about giving thanks, and they're, the poet is thanking for words, and we're thankful for the stars. And so uh, the books really kind of bring to mind all of these little things that we take for granted that we should be so thankful for. Right, our our health, or our family, our friends, the trees, all of these things, and then of course it ends with being, you know, uh, being thankful for the words "I love you" and being thankful for God, and so that's been really good to kind of get into the spirit of Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and just being reminding us of all the things we have to be thankful for. Right, and you know, um, I was reminded at a Women's Day of Reflection not too long ago that we should also thank God for those difficulties that stretch us and make us better so help us to grow help us to grow for sure and he's definitely been doing that in my life (laughs) lately so I'm not going to go into specifics on that but I'm very grateful for all the ways that he is encouraging me to get out of myself and to be more selfless which I think you know I love the Jose Maria Escriva's quote that says don't think that person irritates me think that person sanctifies me. Wow. It's a good That's one. That's a good one to really sit there and kind of reflect on. Right. And on our refrigerator, I have some quotes from Mother Teresa that mm-hmm. my daughter Dottie had done for um, school, you know, for her religion class. And one, one of it, see if I can quote it correctly. Um, Receive irritations with good cheer you're like oh that's so hard how do you remember that in the moment you look at your refrigerator oh well that's that's you know it's a habit i guess you gotta start Mm -hmm. and i don't always it's it's kind of halfway and sometimes it's in retrospect it's like oh i need to be a little better about receiving irritations with good cheer that's right because we're growing yeah and we accept them with good cheer but super thankful. We got a, a wedding coming up in the spring. Um, it's not the spring, actually January. I, the other day, I told myself it's six weeks away, and I was like, "Yeah." So yeah, Mary, we're looking forward to the beautiful sacramental marriage of hers to lovely Brandon Hall. So shout out to them on their nuptials coming up right after the holiday. It's yes. hard to believe. But yeah, thankful. Do you have any special plans for Thanksgiving? 
Uh, we're having a pre-Thanksgiving dinner tonight with, with some friends. And then we're having uh, going over to some other friend's house tomorrow for Thanksgiving. So that's what we're doing because all of our family's out of state in oh, various right. different Colorado, states. Colorado, right? And Indiana. Oh, so. wow. Very good. Well, I've got um, just my oldest daughter and her husband coming in town because a lot of my family lives here. So we usually mm-hmm. host uh, my husband and his mother and siblings and extended family, cousins and things like that. So we'll have about 13, 14, 15 people at the house for Thanksgiving. That'll be a good shindig. Yeah, it'll be pretty fun. I just got to remember to enjoy and not get to Martha-y and just get caught up in the stress of the moment. So how many of you ladies are doing that now too? Just remember, remember Mary at the feet of Jesus. And like Thaddeus was talking about, you know, the presence being present let us remember when we have everybody over at our homes to be more present to them um, and not too caught up in the tasks at hand, like cleaning and cooking and things of that nature. Can I just jump in here real quick and say that I think that the St. Jose Maria quote that you gave is also excellent to take into family gatherings at Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know, holiday parties. And, you know, you encounter somebody who's uh, coming from a real different place than you or, and, and they want to be combative or they want to, you know, everyone knows what I'm talking about when sure. it comes to holiday sure. gatherings. You know, take that, take that quote with you and say, this person's not annoying me. This person is, is sanctifying me. Right. right? And how I, how I choose to be intentional in, in handling right. them. What do you well, think about that? I love that. I love that too. Great. And another, another, th- along those same lines, um, Thaddeus too, is that um, if people, if Christ is calling people to your home like they are, there's a real intentional reason for that, and it's it's for us to love them where they are, like you said, just to really love them where they are, and to put put away our own. Um, discomforts, maybe they, you know, mm-hmm. the, the term that we use a lot around our house is someone that's very socially awkward yeah. and real difficult to, to converse with right. uh, and makes just the environment a little bit uncomfortable. Let me pass along something else too from, this was from Patrick, Patrick Madrid talked two years ago at the uh, benefit dinner and hit, this was his tip. So if, if you're in a conversation with somebody and they, they say something uh, derogatory or just flat out combative about let's say the faith he said the first thing you do is you you say i'm sorry excuse me what did what was that that you said make them say it again mm. that gives you time to think about what to say in response gives you more time maybe gives them a chance to reconsider what they said so it would diffuse things right off the bat they if they restate it then then ask them say okay well why what makes you say that or why would you say that then that gives you also more time to think about how to formulate a response. Makes them also dig into, okay, well, why did I say what I said? Helps diffuse things. And then you can start, and then he just recommended try to come back at them with more questions. Not not statements, but you know, kind of be thinking of a, a logical path of uh, argument you want to pursue, but do it through questioning rather than you know, making claims against against them. And that can kind of help keep it in a spirit of dialogue and conversation rather than elevating to a shouting match. So, right. you know, 
put that in your pipe and smoke it. Think, see what you think about that, and, and maybe well, it can do some good for you. I actually heard this. Um, I think it was on the Drew Mariani show. Uh, she he was interviewing someone, and she said that if it got to be too much, and it was difficult to excuse yourself just a minute, like I need to go get something from the kitchen real quick. And my beer, my beer is getting low. Let me go refill excuse it. Excuse me and, and excuse yourself from the table, the situation, whatever, go yeah. somewhere else and come back and then just start a new line of conversation too, mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. which, in, yeah, I can see that sometimes too, especially for those of us that may not be as, as versed in apologetics as we like to be. Right. Exactly. But yeah. We always have this opportunity, but most importantly, look them in the eye, love them where they at and listen, just listen. And then last thing from, from me, my favorite Jose Maria quote is this one. He said, justification is the work of a moment, mm. but sanctification is the work of a lifetime. Oh, that's a good one. Wow. That's a great one. All right, folks. Well, uh, we're having a little bit of technical difficulties right now getting Sonia on the line. Um, But so please stay tuned. We're going to be going to our break. And after the break, we'll have more of Kylene and Pam and Sonia. Well, welcome back. You are listening to Red Sea Roundup on KEDC and Bryan College Station, but you're being heard throughout Texas in both Waco and the Palestine area. I am very excited and honored to have with me uh, on the line now is Sonia Corbett, the Bible study evangelista. Welcome, Sonia. Good morning. The pleasure is mine. Well, thank you again. I know you're traveling. Where are you right now physically? I am just about in Knoxville, <laughs> headed going- toward North Carolina. So we're we're coming around the mountain. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, Sonia, I was um, just thrilled when Kylene told me about your work and your body of work that's continued to grow. Uh, so I want to introduce my listeners to you just as a person and then into your work. So I want to take a few minutes just to do that. So um, can you, I know, I know your story's really long, but can you kind of encapsulate um how you got to where you are now? Well, we started out as Southern Baptists, my husband and I, and to put it shortly, we experienced a couple of church splits. And the first one occurred when I was really young and didn't know what was going on. All I really knew at that time was that God kept telling me to keep my mouth shut, not to gossip, not to, um, not to keep it stirred up, to just lay low and be silent, basically, and to talk to him about whatever issues I had, and of course, my husband. And then about five years later, after that pastor had basically been run off by a group of people in our church, uh, we had a new pastor, and I did know him very well. He had given me his co-ed Sunday school class, and I had grown it somewhat. And I, because of that, in our denomination, women didn't teach at all. So for him to give me that class, it was a, an affirmation for me, and so I felt very loyal to him. He was something of a father figure to me for that reason, and I also loved his wife and his kids. So when the very same people did the very same thing in the very same church, <laughs> um, I did know what was happening. I was in leadership. My husband was in leadership. 
and it just devastated us. And to see this family undergo all they went through financially and his reputation was ruined, it was just, it was a mess. And I had seen it now twice. And it just, it made it very plain to me that something was very wrong at the foundation of how things were set up in our churches. And during that time, after we just left that church, I mean, it was so devastating. I just, I realized that this was going to be a pattern of rebellion that was not going to be overcome. And so we left that church and I started really evaluating the whole structure of, of non, uh, non-Catholicism or, or denominationalism. But let me inter- so interrupt, for, go, sorry, let me interrupt you a second. Sure. Like, um, about how old were you during this time period? Uh, the first one happened in my early 20s, and the second one happened about five or six years later, so 26, 27, okay. around that age. Okay. So we went to a mega church in our area, several thousand families, and kind of hid. And at that time, I had a friend who was coming into the Catholic Church, and she was still attending our small groups and our Bible studies. And so she would come and, you know, she would offer her Catholic point of view. And I just thought, I felt sorry for her, you know, (laughs) how she had gotten so led astray, you know. So I challenged her on several things. And and she, to her credit, was very patient. And, you know, she would say things that I would just think, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, you know, but then it would stick. And I would go home and I would think, hmm, I wonder if that's, you know, biblically possible. So I would, I would do some research. And then, lo and behold, I ran across a catechism in a used bookstore, and that really started the process for me, because yeah. I started to see that what Catholics believed and taught was not so much different from what we believed and taught. It was just the, the way we described it and the words we used were different. Mm-hmm. So I started to go back and, and read the writings of Martin Luther and kind of explore that to see if I was going to be able to tolerate, you know, what exactly happened there. And then once I realized that that Martin Luther himself had a father wound, um, as I did, and how God had had continually disciplined me about how to behave under that, uh, I I noticed and I recognized Martin Luther's problem and how he split the church because of it. So it caused him to be rebellious, and I knew that because I had also struggled under that rebellion. And so, you know, all of those things sort of converged, and that's what really led me into the church. And at that point, you know, I, I understood that I was leaving behind all of the ministry work that I had begun to build. And so that was part of the difficulty for me in coming in to full communion was knowing that I was going to leave that behind and feeling like I was called to do it. So there was a conflict there. Um, but at some point, I just, I clung to James, where he says that for him to know what is good and not to do it, it is sin. Mm. So I did it. You know, I just jumped in both feet. And So how long and, have you been Catholic? <laughs> it's been 11 years now. 11 years. Praise God. Thanks be to God. Yeah. Okay, well, you did mention so, um, father wounds, which um, I'd like to you just kind of expand on that a little bit more. So, So from the standpoint of someone who has never heard of it, or what is that, and how does it relate to our Catholic faith, and how does it relate to our wholeness in Christ? Sure. Well, the Catechism talks about how our our perception of God is formed and clouded even by our earthly parents. So whether we have 
difficulties with our relationship with our mother or our father, or maybe it's an uncle, maybe, you know, maybe it's someone else entirely, maybe it's a trauma, maybe it's a death, whatever. Those wounds are, they act like a veil between us and our relationship with God. And so we don't view him as he truly is. Mm. And so we have to do this process with him of really what the church calls purification, but it is a purification of our perceptions of who God is and what he's like and how he treats us and how he expects us to be, how we're created to be. And so those, my woundedness was literally from my father. My father was aggressive and controlling and manipulative and angry. He was just angry and critical, very critical. And so that instilled in me a, just a a lot of woundedness and pain, which showed itself in this crazy rage. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. I had a real problem with anger and rage and, and I had specific triggers. And so God began to use his word, the scriptures to confront me on that anger and the pain that was underneath it. So the anger really was rebellion against those who were in authority over me and and the pain of that because of the, the criticism or, you know, it was really irrational, but I didn't understand it to be so until he started to confront me in the scriptures about it. Okay, Sonia, I have to ask and, you real quick, too, because sure. I just got back from Healing the Whole Person with Dr. Bob Schutz. Have you read his book, Be Healed? I, I just ordered it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to love it. I mean, this yes. is just, they're so hand in hand. I'm like, she must know Dr. Bob because this is a, so much about what it's it's amazing. So I really encourage you to jump into that and go to Tallahassee, do I some of the workshops, will. man. They're really great because uh, I haven't gone to that, which was interesting enough because um, just as a side note for me was when I went to the workshop, I was really desiring to be more um, in tune with, with the Trinity, Father, Son, right. Holy Spirit, right? Well, me, the Holy Spirit, and me, Jesus, man, we've been cozy for a while, but I just noticed I really had issues developing that relationship with God the Father. Um, and I... And interesting enough in my life, since my folks were divorced, I never had a dad around. So what in my Trinity? He was just absent. He wasn't there, which right. I, that kind of dawned on me. Oh, my gosh. So there wasn't anything particularly negative. It just I had a hard time making connection with God the Father because he was always God the Father of the Old Testament. Um, but through working through that, it's really changed. And, and God the Father and, and the, the song, The Good, Good Father, does that come to mind to you? I love the praise and worship music Amen. nowadays. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, so you've done a lot on the father wound, correct? I have. Is it bo- I just got finished with a series. Yeah. Okay. And, and so tell people did, about how they can we, find you with this series. So that series is, it's called Healing the Father Wound, and it's a nine-week series in which we go through the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary. We follow, Jesus is the only one who can show us who God the Father truly is. He is the one who reveals him. Jesus was the one, the, the Gospel of John says, who is in the bosom of the Father, and he's the one who reveals him as he truly is. And so we have to learn from Jesus who Abba Father is, and we do that by retracing the steps of the Sorrowful Mysteries with Jesus, we go to the garden. We enter our own garden of Gethsemane, and we do the work. We intend to do the work with God there, and we set our will toward the difficulty of that. And we just, we go through each of those Sorrowful Mysteries, and then there's a wrap-up at the end in which we 
we do confront um, it, along that that um, those mysteries. We look at those generational patterns and generational sins that have repeated and repeated and will continue to repeat. The Bible says until somebody stands up and says, "This is it. It stops here." And then the promise is that thousands of generations afterward will be blessed through that one person, whoever that is, who stands in that gap. And so we we go through um, all of those mysteries, and then I recap at the end, sort of a, a takeaway for for the whole thing. That's on BibleStudyEvangelista.com. We just wrap that up, but it'll be open. I'm going to leave it open because it has been there's been an overwhelming response. Sure. I think because as you, you probably sense through Bob's book, um, the Holy Spirit is doing that work right now. He is drawing us all in a big way uh, back to a knowledge of the Father. Yes, right. Yeah, one of my greatest um, takeaways from that conference, I actually got to do the I Am Prayer Ministry training as well. And mm-hmm. it truly was um, a, not even necessarily a reigniting, but a reminding of who we are as Christians. I mean, they went back to the catechism. They went back to the um, the Bible and the Acts of the Apostles and the great things that they did and, remind, and reminded us you can do this too. This is possible. And so it really was um, our minds that limit us. And so they were reminding us who we are with uh, the spirit of confirmation and baptism that live within us. So, um, yeah, and work through the well, father awesome. wounds. And you know, Yeah, I think we live, we live with that, all the mess of it, the, the awful relationships and the self-medicating habits and the, the repeating circumstances. We live with that thinking that that's how it's going to be. But that's not our promise. Our promise is as his children, that freedom and that unleashing. Right. So you mentioned uh, that generational healing. I hear that word every now and again. Could you tell us some more about about generational healing and what that means and what it looks like? Did, did you hear everything she said, Sonia? Uh, I did not. I didn't hear a word of it, actually. There oh. was a big silence. Okay. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Kylie, and ask that question again. So you had just mentioned generational healing, and I, I've heard that word before, but I don't really know much about it. And I've been very curious about what that looks like and what it is. And Can you tell us a bit more about that? Well, in my understanding, what it is is just the acknowledgement that that our patterns of sin are handed down from our parents and their parents. I mean, we learn specific ways to handle or not handle things, and we don't do those. We don't do them well. We learn them from our parents who learn them from their parents. So the first thing is acknowledging that, you know, we've learned it, but also an acknowledgement that because we all learn it from broken people, we have to forgive those broken people. They're just broken. You know, they're, they, they sometimes give us what they have and sometimes they don't even bother, you know, but either way, our calling as God's children is to forgive because we have been forgiven a great many sins. And so the acknowledgement of those patterns and then the willingness, not only the willingness, but the determination to be the stop, you know, to stop it and, and to enter into um, with God an exploration of how those patterns have worked previously. If we have that knowledge, sometimes we don't. Sometimes he'll give it to us in prayer. Um, but oftentimes it's just, it's just seeing it, you know, in our own families and, and understanding that it's operating until somebody determines that it's going to stop with them and does the work, the spiritual work. And at that point, you know, we offer all of those in prayer to God, you know, and ask him to heal those places 
physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, all of those deficits to fill in those gaps. And we we invite him into those places that perhaps he has never been invited in before Mm -hmm. in our entire family line. And so we're just asking for a new, a renewal and a blessing in our families so that whatever has passed is past and whatever happens in, in the future, as far as lies with us, that we can cooperate with the grace that God intends to give us to heal all of that from that point forward. Well, Sonia, I, list, I was listening to some of your work yesterday and you said something that really struck me and I, I want to see if I can get you to, to say it, but I believe you were talking about how um, Christ does want to come in or the Trinity, God, the father wants to come in and heal us but because he's such a gentleman and he loves our free will. Do you remember that part in one of your, your, um, I don't know, uh, I don't know, but it's, it's the case. He, he is, he is a gentleman. He is, he has given us that free will as a gift that is in his own image and he will not transgress it. And so unless we invite him into those places, he's not going to push in. You know, exactly. he's not going to just throw there. There is the gift of salvation and the redemption that has occurred on the, on the cross in Christ. And then, of course, we have the sacraments of the church. But until we invite him into those specific areas, he he hasn't been able to work yet. And he's trying to get our attention. That's the thing. He's constantly offering us what I call pop quizzes to try to get us to see where he's working and where he wants to work. And once we see that, to invite him there to do that work more fully. But he needs our cooperation. And right. that's the part, you know, he, he doesn't force himself on us. Exactly. You know, I, I want to reiterate this in just a real uh, a succinct way, uh, maybe just a couple of steps. So for our listeners, so um, let me just set the scene for you. So we have a listener listening today that that is acknowledging, you know, I've got some wounds, um, probably some father wounds, um, I'm ready to just start to turn everything over to the Lord to to just really embrace my faith. Um, but the first thing that has to happen is asking Jesus to come in. That, yeah. Can you do yeah, like a one, two, three steps? Happen. Yep. Sure. So the first thing is that acknowledgement. The second thing is an inventory and an evaluation of the sin in our lives from that has come from those wounds. So I usually talk about a predominant fault in this at this point because once we begin to see the patterns of our sin, we see that we have a predominant fault that we struggle against. And it's important that we know it because the demons know it and they use that fault against us all the time to make us fall. And they'll lie to us and they'll deceive us and they'll trick us into doing it. And if we don't know that's what they're doing, and even when we do know that's what they're doing, sometimes, you know, we just get tripped up. So, so can you give us... We know can you give us sure. an example of this? Because, you know, I, I get it, but but what a predominant fault may look sure. like. Okay, so mine is, is that anger and that rage, and it comes from rebellion. So I am easily triggered or tweaked by, um, typically, it's men in authority over me who I respect and love, who offer criticism. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's hard for me. It's very hard. I mean, it, first of all, I'm sensitive to it anyway, just by my temperament. But then secondly, I have this issue. So because of all the criticism I, I endured, it, it is, I, I try very hard. I, I fall sometimes into perfectionism, even to, to be above criticism, because it's just so difficult for me. And that's irrational, you know, because no one is above criticism, right? right. So 
I have to go to God when I feel that eruption coming and I feel offended by criticism. I have to go to God and say, because it, it does, it overwhelms me because of this wound. And that's my predominant fault. So I immediately go there. I immediately get offended and get mad. And so mm-hmm. I have to go to him and say, is this, is this true? And how much of it is true? And what do I need to do about it? And then right. can you help me with this overwhelming emotion? Well, I'm going to, so I'm going to share the acknowledgement. Since you're being so vulnerable, I'm going to be vulnerable too, because mine is, looks very different, but the underlying root is kind of the same. So instead of me getting anger, I always think this is my fault. I'm bad. I'm not worth it. I, um, I'm no good. What's that? That's what's under the anger for me. Oh, see, my I, I skip the anger part and go right to I'm not worth anything. Right. But that's a lie. Yeah, it is a, a lie. lie. And and, and uh, remembering what Christ says to us and who he says we are, his beloved and heirs to the kingdom, um, is what gets me right. back to base level. But, yeah, I just was trying to kind of really uh, paint that picture for the listeners about how it can look. I mean, it's not always... You know, you you have to really go back actually to look at the I think the the seven deadly sins because that is exactly. definitely part of it. Yes. Um, how does yours manifest? Well, for me, a lot of times mine it will manifest in envy. I'm not good enough. Look at them; they're so good. I wish I was that good. You know, so see how mm-hmm. my personality takes it and internalizes it a little right. bit differently. But you know, exactly. just look at the seven deadly because you know anger is one of them. Anger, pride, absolutely. But underneath uh, anger, you know, we all get angry, but underneath anger is, is pain. Yeah. There's, there's pain there. And that's why we have to go to the Garden of Gethsemane with Christ, because he wants us to see what's underneath that anger. You know, what's really happening underneath the surface there. And let's look at that. And where does that come from? And let's go back to those memories so that we can, they can be purified and, and they can be healed. And so we go through that process of, of the scourging with Christ. We go through those wounds one at a time, and we look at them, and we retrace them in his presence and with him in the safety of his presence. And then we see that they do come from those generational patterns most times, and then we, can, we, we are crowned then with them by our grandparents and, and those before them, but then we can crown those beyond us. Um, they were thorns, but they can become something better, you know, in the hands of Christ. So we crown we crown the generations after us. And then after we've done that part, you know, we're, we're carrying that cross. And what is the cross? It's that predominant fault. And it's the wounder. You know, you have to drag them with you sometimes. And, and at, at some point, you know, once you've dealt with a lot of what's happened, you may have to re-engage with the wounder. And you have to be able to have the space to heal some, to be able to do that well and to do it charitably and to do it in a way that's healing and, mm-hmm. and it provides some reconciliation. But until you've had some space to heal, you can't do that. And then you confront, you know, where were you, God? Why have you forsaken me? Right. Where were you in that darkness? What's, what was going on there? You know, exactly. So you just trace all of those steps. Well, one of the things that, um, that we haven't talked as much about that goes right hand in hand with all of this um, is forgiveness. At the right. conference not too long ago, Sister Miriam James, who's just a rock star in my book, I loved that. I'd never heard her speak before, but she was here talking about forgiveness. And to make a long story short, um, the power, you know, different people that have studied the, the amount of forgiveness that's needed, you know, it's just increased over time that it all goes back to forgiveness and and who it needs to be forgiven. And for me, in, in my naivete, when I started out on this journey, thought, well, 
this is where I'm wounded. This is a person I need to forgive. So I said, okay, I forgive you. You know, I can say the words, I can go through the motions, but, (laughs) but what I understood was that it's actually a lifelong process. Right. Yeah. You have to repeat it over and over because, you know, your will is engaged and you mean it at the time, but then you're triggered again. And so when that happens, it brings all of that not all of it, but a lot of it back up. And then you have to reconfront it again. And then you have to decide again, yes, I have forgiven it. I'm not going to take this on and, and try to get revenge or try to make them admit it or try to make them see my point of view. Not at all. You, know, you just yeah. have to totally leave it at God's feet. Exactly. I was, uh, Kylie and I went and had coffee this this morning before the show to talk about things. And I said, my, my personal one, you know, the rejection wound, it has all these spinoff things of, you know, like right. self doubt, unworthiness and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But, you know, I didn't realize all those things until I've been working on it. So once I unpacked the main lie, all these little sub lies come out. And again, that's like forgiveness too. Uh, have to renounce exactly. them as not being true and go back each time and forgive again and forgive again. And, and every now and then when I'm starting to feel some of those emotions or whatever, I'm like, what's coming up again? Well, you know what? I still yeah. got a little unforgiveness in there <laughs> <That's right. laughs> to unpack, you know, so how, how do I, how can I forgive today? So forgiveness is an ongoing um, process. And one of the best uh, analogies I've heard, it's like peeling the onion. It's stinky. It's not right. fun, but you got to keep peeling peeling back those layers. Yeah. And I think one of the things that no one ever talks about that I have found to be a common thread in everyone's journey is having to forgive God. You know, at some point you have to understand that he allowed it. It wasn't something that he brought to you directly, but he allowed it. And so if you're honest about it in his presence, you say to yourself, why did you do that? Why did you let that happen whether, you know, maybe to an innocent child or to someone who didn't deserve it or whatever. And you really have to confront him with that. And he's big. He's big enough to handle it, you know, and he wants us to go through that process so that he can tell us because he will. You know, he may not be able to give us all of it at one time, but he will give us enough, enough to change us forever if we ask him those questions, those really hard questions. He will tell us the answer. And it is almost unbearably beautiful. No, I mean, I can attest to that because part of my own journey was um, I'm a convert as well, but I grew up in an atheist home with the complete utter absence of God. And I just, I really feel like as a, as a child going and asking him, are you real? Are you real? He poured a lot of grace on me at that moment once I, you know, really confronted him honestly and I really feel like that grace has been on me since I was about 12 years old. And that's why I'm sitting here doing what I do today. And he continues to, to, to walk, to walk with me. Um, but you're right. I, I often like to tell some of my friends as I walk with them as a spiritual companion, you know, if you're mad at God, tell him he's a big boy. Right. He can take it. He wants yeah, you to be knows. genuine. Yeah. He knows your heart better than you do. Um, yeah. but to, to, to be genuine that way and really get angry. Cause I, I've, I've had those moments too, you know, you know, you couldn't possibly love me and allow this to happen to me, Lord, you couldn't possibly. Exactly. And then it comes back, well, that's a lie, you know? Um, but it's not until we're on the other side of that trauma or that event or what's going on where we can start to see how he was using and working through it. Exactly. And that's why he gives us an entire lifetime, you know, to, for the process to occur. 
Right, right. It just takes that long. We're we're that complicated. Now let me ask you this. So if a, if if a certain person was um really struggling with um let's say what did you, you called it the predominant fault and and I call it usually root, you know, it's root of fear. Right. How would you ask them to what, what would you advise them to work through? How, you know, given that they have that their manifestation is not so much anger or self-loathing, but fear. What would you say to them? Well, I would. I can only give what I have been given. And when I asked that question, what God sent me to was the Proverbs. Um, and, and there is a proverb, there are actually two. One says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then later on, it says that because of fear, one departs from sin. So it's the beginning of knowledge because it, it the fear of the Lord will sometimes cause us to either stop sinning or try to stop sinning, right? And, and that's the beginning. So if we can get to that point then and give even that, I am afraid, Lord, I'm afraid of you or I'm afraid of this. I'm, I'm afraid I'm not going to get what I want, whatever. And as we're working through that process with him, because I was afraid of God, I was terrified of him because I was terrified of my own dad. And so I, I didn't want to be confronted by him. I didn't want, I mean, I, it was just terrible, you know, the emotion that's all wrapped up in those relationships. But when I began to confront my behavior, that's when God started to address that fear. And that's what he said. This is just the beginning. I promise you that perfect love, he says in the book of John, First uh, John four eighteen, perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with judgment. And instead, God wants to show us his love for us. And that's what he does. He, he walks us through the process so that what we're really seeing in the confrontation of the fear is we're seeing how very much God truly loves us as our Abba Father. Mm. That's what he shows us. And that is when we are no longer afraid of him. He walks us through and he shows us the truth of how loved we are. And then that fear no longer has any sway over us. But that's a long process. Right. But it's all wrapped up together. It's all the same journey. You know, it's not here and there. It's all one thing. We're doing all of that at the same time. I, I know this is putting you on the spot a little bit, but can you walk us through your own journey with that and your dad, like the forgiveness and the healing? Sure. Well, very early when God, he, he asked me to call my dad and ask him for forgiveness for our last event or our last actually it was the only confrontation we ever had because it was the only one that I ever actually defied him to his face. <laughs> but he he demanded that my husband and I move our the date of our wedding back because he, he felt that I was too young. Looking back on it, I, I'm sure that's what it was. But dad never asks for anything. He just tells you how it's going to be and then you just do it, you know, because you're afraid not to. And I was just at the age where I was done with that. And, and I told him, no, I'm not moving the date. I'm not moving it at all. You know, here, here's your invitation, come or not, but I'm not moving it. And it, it was partly stubbornness, but it was also that my husband and I, not at the time, obviously, but we were living together. And I, was try, I wanted to end that situation as quickly as possible. So I wasn't going to move the date. And it got loud and it got heated and I shot him a bird and I left, you know, and not long, five years later, you know, God wants me to call my dad and ask him to forgive me for doing that. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You're going to ask me to call him and ask him to forgive me. So it just took a long time 
And I just finally told him, I, I can't. I can't do this. I, I, I just, I'm not. If you can make me want to, I'll do it. <laughs> but otherwise, no. <laughs> and that was just the, the long and short of it for a while. But he kept confronting me about it. And I, and I finally did. Because I wanted to please God, not because I wanted to call him. But when I did it, he he broke. I remember feeling like it was almost like a string the, the little string that had connected me to him in that influential way that he had me all screwed up all the time, it was like it popped. When I did that, and I, I sort of say it was like climbing up on the altar because it was so difficult. And when I did that, it was almost like God just, he just popped that string. And then mm-hmm. never again from that point on did he ever have that influence over me. And it was miraculous. So I was able to begin dealing with him at a level that was not so irrationally emotional. Right. Those passions then, you know, because of that, that willingness to sacrifice, the thing truly that was the hardest for me ever that I've ever done or had to that point anyway, being willing to do that was very healing. God, he worked a miracle in that. He just did. And so as we trust him and we follow him through the difficulties of it, he he works those healings. I don't. I mean, I don't even know how it how it happens, but he does. And so you're able then to, after you've gotten some space from that person, if it's you know a person who's wounded you, then you're able to reengage with them some on a level that's not so irrational. And and that's what God is really trying to get us to because He wants to reconcile those relationships as much as possible. We have these very narrow views of people, and we make these judgments, these black and white judgments without having all the information or the, or the perspective on the other person. And God wants us to suspend that and try yeah. and with him to heal enough that we can reengage if possible. Sometimes right. in abusive situations, it's not possible. Yeah, exactly. But if it's possible, okay. You know. Gosh, Sonia, this, this time has really flown by. I hope you're going to make it to the Brazos <laughs> Valley sometime to, to be a guest speaker. I know we've already tried once. Um, I'll just say that some of our friends that have a big, um, a brunch has you're you're booked you were booked we we're gonna try and get you here to brazos valley you would love it here it's really great I would so love that. where do you live actually i'm in nashville just outside nashville. of nashville that's awesome well i hope that you'll come and be on the show again especially uh, by the way we had um um deacon the dynamic deacon with us for our our benefit this past year um this last awesome, fall yeah. just last month and it was wonderful and this was just a kismet kind of thing where everything came together to have you on so i cannot thank you enough i am going to ask you to hold on the line as we wrap up the show here um but thank you so much for your work and your passion and and give everybody your um website again that they can go for some it's of the bible study yeah, BibleStudyEvangelista.com, and you can just Google my name, Sonia Corbett, and it pops right up. Awesome. Well, we'll catch you next time on the third Tuesday in December, where I'll be speaking to Bishop Sis. Yes! So, until then, go and love your neighbor.